Hi, this is Damon Pistolka, host of the Faces of Business podcast, where we talk to interesting people about life and business. We cover their backgrounds, obstacles they've encountered, and find out what drives them. Along the way, our guests share nuggets you can use to drive your success. Reach me directly, D-A-M-O-N at ExitYourWay.us, or check out our website, ExitYourWay.us, for more information. I hope you enjoy our show. All right, everyone. Thank you once again for stopping by the Exit Your Way Business Roundtable. And with me today, I have Jason and Mary Sturgeon with Arcade Wayfinding. Welcome. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks for having us. Great being here. Yeah. And we've got Andrew with us today. And I just have to say that hat you're sporting for our new NFL or NHL team in Seattle is rocking and i gotta get myself one of those oh the kraken uh, merch is so good yeah so, uh, they put a uh if i don't know if you can read that but it says uh welcome to the crack house <laughs> <laughs> what does it say <laughs> that's hilarious Oof, can't get it in the camera there it is there, yeah we can see it welcome to the crack house. oh my god oh in seattle but, yeah <laughs> Yeah, Pete Alexander was on, uh, I don't know, a couple weeks ago or a week ago, and Pete had the, has the jersey. The jerseys look, look smoking, too. They're nice. Mm-hmm. They're nice. Yeah, so, it's, a, it's a branding or marketer's uh, dream. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I think it goes really well with the, uh, the sci-fi persona of Seattle because it's mm-hmm. a sci-fi capital of the world. So yeah, anything yes. – uh, anything – that gets into horror writing, science fiction writing, fantasy. We're there oh, for yeah. Kraken was mythology more yeah. than science fiction. Oh yeah, still. yeah. yeah. <laughs> as my kids saw saw it, they thought Pirates of the Caribbean. Oh, that's fair. <laughs> I didn't even think of that. Yeah. yeah they yeah. thought Pirates of the Caribbean right away. My son was my son's twenty one. He's like, hey, that's Pirates of the Caribbean. Yeah. <laughs> no, it was before that, really. Yeah. <laughs> I just think of that movie with the little clockwork owl. Oh, yeah. What, what was the movie? Oh, it was. Uh, oh, now we're both oh, in the space on. on it. Sorry. Yeah. That's <laughs> right. Medusa. yeah, the Greek mythology movie. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that one. That, oh, yeah. I'm thinking back into that. That's cool. Is that Jason <laughs> and the Argonauts or? I feel like the movie wasn't was Jason and the Argonauts. Well, we'll was, get to yeah. it. Yeah. We'll come back. Way back. We'll, yeah. we'll come back to that one because. Because it's a it's a great diversion to get off because you know it's when we when we do these interviews it's really about getting to know people better and and uh, you know all of us are unique and and individual and it's so much fun getting to know know one another and and how they do but you know Jason and and Mary they they help construction companies uh, and can you guys just explain a, a little bit about that and then we'll go back to kind of some of your background that led us up to that? Sure thing. So we we run a company called Arcade Wayfinding, and the purpose of our business is to help construction companies grow up. And the idea behind that is that many times people start businesses because they're passionate about the trade or passionate about the topic, but they get in deep enough and they have enough people following them that now it's no longer about the trade. 
they really have to, to grow up their business if they want to stay successful and maintain that success. And so we provide that support to help them grow up through those growing pains. And the majority of our, our clients, they range from little mom and pop startups all the way up to the billion dollar juggernauts. And, and we provide a different level of support for each one of those companies, depending on where they're at in their growth progress. And something we found really useful is that we in our lives have worked in construction for much of our careers. And so by sticking to working with construction companies and construction adjacent companies, we find that we're able to really communicate with those people on their own level and understand the problems that are unique to that industry. Yeah, we speak construction. So we because we can use construction specific examples, then it can help them shake themselves out of their funk that will oftentimes derail any sort of development or progress. We can call bullshit when we see it. Yeah, yeah, that's important. That's interesting. Um, and working with a lot of business owners um, ourselves here, especially at the end kind of, of you know, the, working on the exit or it's time to get out. Um, we run into, a, you know, there's kind of a profile. We actually use the term, you know, uh, certain types of business owners and uh, general contractor is one of the terms, and another one is a mountain climber. You know, and the mountain climbers are more rare because they, they definitely they they know how to get a system in place, get an organization running, getting people behind them, and motive. They know how to leverage, uh, and then really scale a company up. But probably they're rare birds. I mean, they're yeah. you know, Jeff Bezos is you know, but you know, five per, less than five percent are, are mountain climbers. The vast majority of the business owners are, are general contractors, right? So. They didn't get into business to run an organization. Well, and I think I think for us, one of the big heart pieces is that that the people that you're talking about, the mountain climbers versus the the general contractors, the heart piece is that some people get into business because they want to build, grow, sell a business, just like any other product. Yeah. And then there are the remaining percentage of of business owners who they get into it because that's where their heart is, because mm -hmm. they're they're pulled and they're compassionate about doing it, and it's not a transaction but they don't necessarily know how to do it like the mountain climbers do. Well, I, I actually, I'd actually challenge you. I think in that respect, I, I think more of the people are, are don't get into business to build a business to sell a business. You know, it, it's a, we, we the process very often they get in business to, um, I think it, 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 for the most part is they know how to do something. They've got a skill set. you know, they, they brought it to the table. Now they get other people to do it for them and they can manage it at a certain level, but they're very involved in the business. Uh, but then they run into what you're talking about. They hit a ceiling, you know, um, and that ceiling is, you know, you, you, you're not, you didn't get in it to run an organization to grow it, to become a publicly traded company. You, you just want to pay your bills, <laughs> right? You want to get through this week and meet payroll and, you know, at the end of the month, have a little bit in the bank, um, you know, and those kind of things. But you don't recognize the fact that you're actually building value in an organization um, if you can deploy, you know, and, and do the kind of things you're helping them do. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, so give us a, a sense of your backgrounds here, uh, and let's let's start with Mary first about you know kind of how you started, kind of up till today a little bit, so we can get a little bit of a sense of that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, so we started and we we both were in the construction industry as kids. Mm -hmm. uh, Jason's older brother had a roofing company mm -hmm. and we both worked for that company. Uh, and and I have kind of so it, my role in it is is in a lot of ways, I see it as less interesting than Jason's mm -hmm. only because I have been uh, a wife, an industry wife 
that's been a lot of and my interaction with much, instruction. Much of the beginning was support class where uh, I, I started working summers just for gas money for my brother's business. And he'd been running it for a long time unsuccessfully. And as we move forward in time, uh, I was 19, Mary was 18. And I'd said to my brother, well, give me a shot. Let me run your business and let's see what happens. And, and his perspective was like, well, it couldn't get any worse. <laughs> so, so Mary and I worked together. And over a period of six months, we went from three employees to 13 employees. We bought two new, no, three new company trucks. We had three crews. Uh, we bought a piece of property. We had a set of plans for building an office. We had a hiring promotional structure, a training structure, healthcare, healthcare yeah. for roofers in the 90s in the Midwest. Uh, we put all of this together and we were making money hand over fist. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was the younger brother, so he had a really hard time with that. And it yeah. basically dissolved uh, in, in kind of this big blow up. Yeah. But I've been kind of split in two directions in my career in that uh, I have always kind of provided support in the construction industry to whatever Jason was doing in his career. Uh, but in the meantime, I also developed education in technology and in education. Mm -hmm. So during the time that Jason was building his career, which I'll tell you more about in a second here, uh, I was teaching code to kids, which when we started doing this, I really thought it didn't have a lot to offer. I said, well, I've been teaching Minecraft to kids. I don't know how that has anything to do with what you're doing. Uh, and it turned out that it actually had a lot to do with what we do. So we went forward and and I got into general contracting. I've worked on skyscrapers. I've been a subcontractor, general contractor, owner's rep. So you see all of the different parts and pieces of when a business is working, why is it working or why is it not working? And uh, what I found myself doing much of the time is helping my subcontractors on my projects navigate the job because quite literally if they go belly up on my job that means bad things for me selfishly yeah. so I, I spent a lot of time kind of helping them coaching them through what to do what not to do to be successful and by the time i, I gave my my general contractor uh, that i was working for a year and a half notice that i was leaving and i said i want to do something different i don't know what it is uh, but but i'm going to find it and then started this business where our first clients were our subcontractors or were my subcontractors from GC days. And yeah. of the first five that we signed in, in the beginning of that business, we still have four. So wow. we, we focus on building relationships. And when we go to Christmas parties and company picnics, we get hugs instead of handshakes. When we go to the crawfish boils, yeah. <laughs> Pre-COVID, uh, but the idea is that we we forge these longer-lasting relationships, and when things go sideways or when things get crazy, uh, we're at the top of the list of people to call when yeah. something happens that you're not prepared for. Yeah. So those clients, how long has that been? Six years. Six years. Yeah, that that's remarkable because that just doesn't happen in in a consulting type of uh, relationship that have uh, clients with tenure that long. It's incredible. Right. And it, yeah. it tends to look more familial, where we work with the business owners and then we work with their children to to help them through that transition. And we we help in a lot of ways at an emotional level where it looks it looks more like therapy 
Well, and a lot of our clients, it actually looks like we work there. So, you know, I remember we were having a conversation on the way out to one client about the fact that, you know, we didn't have um, as many coworkers as we'd like to have. And then we pulled up at the client and it was raining outside and Jason went off one direction and I went where I was going and I go and go into an office and the two women in the office are like, come on in girl, close the door. It's cold out there. Right. And I come in and sit down and we kind of have the chat about how things are going. And I know them both very well. And I realized that everyone, all of these people are my coworkers. Yeah. So it's a really, it's a really nice way to do business. Hmm. Yeah. And those kind of relationships, I mean, really there's, there's someone that, that, that we hang out with a bit, Alonzo Bear. he talks about emotional uh, intelligence and those personal relationships in business and how that, how that, that really makes business a, a enjoyable and B long-term when you when you do these things and and being personal being you know that part of it i think is something that i really like to see is happening again in business because you know hell when andrew and i were running companies that was not the way it was you know, that was in the days of you know it's cutthroat blah 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 all the things that no one likes to hear about is the the world that we lived in uh, and I really enjoy the fact that to hear that and uh, and that because it allows the relationships like like Andrew was mentioning, you said for five, six years, you can have long term relationships if you are in there going, OK, where's my next way to help them with value tomorrow, today, tomorrow and the, and the day after that? Yeah. And yeah, now, a lot, a lot of like, um, challenges you to say, why? Why can't we get personal? That's just stupid. Mm -hmm. Um, this is what this is how it really should be, uh, but it is rare. It's it's not something you see, and it's not the way we were taught mm -hmm. business. So that's very cool. Yeah. Uh, but I think, you know, you can point out to some of the most successful relationships, uh, uh, business relationships are uh, deeply personal. Um, and some of the most successful people, uh, Warren Buffett and his partners, and and those things they they're generational too. It's yeah, it's, yeah. 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 Oh yeah, kudos. That's that's very cool. Really are. And you know, looking at at uh, Jason, at your background, you you built some cool stuff too. I mean, your buildings uh, down in the Amazon complex. You built some stuff down there. You worked on one of the Trump Tower properties, and uh, yeah, you've got some uh, some cool project management experience. Yeah. Chihuly Garden and Glass was one of my favorites. Yeah. So the the Chihuly Garden and Glass project at oh, the yeah, Space yeah, yeah. yeah we did that one. And that was an interesting story there. We had uh, eight months per contract to, to build that. And no one in our office thought we could do it in under nine months. And we had $7,500 a day liquidated damage. So for people who don't know what that is, every day that you finish late, you have to pay $7,500 a day out of pocket. So we brought it in under budget and we finished in seven months and three days. Wow. And so at one point, one of the critical subs was 55 days late on the critical path. And we're still able, able to overcome that. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. It's incredible. <laughs> well, David, our background are in manufacturing, but we've worked with a lot with construction businesses. And, and I, I think if you can do construction successfully, mm -hmm. um, you know, you can do anything. <laughs> you can do anything. It works really well. Yeah, because you're fighting people, the weather, other subcontractors, everything. Yeah. 
yeah, everything's moving. It's hard to track. Um, yeah, it's it's uh, it's quite a feat. I like yeah. it. I'm marveling. I can't believe. Um, yeah, I think the people who come out of contracting uh, as well—that's some of the best talent you can get um, if you're looking to get into business. Yeah. I think you just have to learn how to capture everything and how to kind of keep your hands on everything. And the more that you can build those systems out to be able to see what's happening with all of the important numbers and to be able to measure all the important numbers, then that's kind of how you how you do that. So about 30 percent of what we do is discrete training where we're focused on teaching people how to do contracting, where mm -hmm. we're teaching how to document things. We're teaching how to manage change orders. Uh, we're just starting our form and basic training program in October, and it's an eight week long program where we're teaching foremen what they're supposed to know when they actually start in that position. Yeah. So we're going through leadership, and we're going through the soft skills, and we're going through technology, and we're going through construction principles that they were never taught. Yes. Because many times it is very much a sink or swim kind of situation where they get thrown into the water, 10% of them can swim, and to the hell with the rest of them. Yeah. Yeah, it is really. I mean, it it is one of those industries much, much similar to manufacturing where it is sink or swim in the manufacturing floor part of it. You know, it's and in construction the same way out on the job site. It's it's totally survival of the fittest for a lot of companies and they overlook or, or pass over with that process so much great talent because people learn differently or people need a little bit extra help here but they're much stronger there. And, and that could actually be the skill that they need more than anything. Yeah. Well, well that sounds like too, you're providing a solution for, you know, I mean, this is a, a, a tight hiring market and, and uh, you know, a lot of people retiring and skilled laborers, you know, those skilled folks are going away. So is that, you know, you're getting a lot of business because of, hey, we can't hire them, let's teach them, teach the people we got. Is that kind of what's going on there? Yes, in, in part, but but an interesting detail is we teach a time management class and mm -hmm. anyone who's in management of any sort is about 50% efficient. That means you get an honest to goodness three to five hours of work done in a given day. Mm -hmm. So apply that to your organization. That yeah. means that we're burning in, in non-productive effort half of our workforce. So mm -hmm. you tell me that we have a problem with not enough people uh, if you if you just improve that by 10 percent how much better do things get well i think there's another whole piece of this though that we are seeing a lot that is this generational thing where you know there is this idea that young people aren't just aren't as suited they're just not the same you they, got don't, these, they don't they don't want to work hard you got these old guys that have been doing the job and now the young people just aren't the same millennials just can't work and that's what people tell us all the time and it's silly but the truth is that the world has changed. Education has changed. Yeah. So the kind of support that these people need to be ready to do their job, they need to know what they need to know and they need to know that they're doing a good job. And so yeah. when you can offer that support, then all of a sudden those people can come in and really fly. But we can't subject them to the same training methods that we used 50 years ago and expect them to just want to stay and want to be there. The, the public education school system was created for the industrial revolution. Mm -hmm. Think about that. We still use that same training process yeah. today for most of our kids so that they can grow up and be factory workers. Yeah. We don't, that, it, it doesn't work for us anymore. And I think in the same way, the younger generations who are coming into the workforce, these people are more sensitive to causes. 
these people yeah. are more sensitive and and they react more more keenly to things like culture they want to feel like they're working for the good guy whereas 20 years ago who cares who the good guy was we just need to get a paycheck but now yeah. <laughs> the, the fact that you're working for for the Empire and Star Wars, <laughs> that's kind of a deal breaker for a lot of people. So I think it, we, we talk about this idea of, of many people feel like they have a recruiting problem. We can't find enough good people. We can't get enough talent in our doors. What's the problem with them? They don't want to work. But did you stop and think for a second that maybe it's not them? Maybe it's that you just haven't moved or pivoted since 2000? Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's that, that, that is such an interesting thing because people don't think about, well, especially, and I'm just going to pick on people my age because I am because people my age, you know, and, and like Andrew and I said, we grew up in a different time and a different work and, you know, and millennials now they do want to understand that, Hey, your company does, does good things. It treats people right. It, you know, all the kind of stuff is, as, as we said, didn't matter a while ago matters to them. And when they see that, they get behind you. And when you get people's minds and their bodies engaged in what they need to do, you get you get everything. And yeah. that is the real key. And it's cool to hear you guys say that because it is culture. It is culture. We we didn't even we didn't even mention the word culture 15 years ago, 20 years ago in business. Yeah. Well, and I, I think an interesting part is that that construction is always the last to the table. Uh, in terms of change, because many other industries were talking about culture 10, 20 years yeah. ago, whereas construction is the last one to the table, uh, late to the game. And an interesting survey that came out as a nationwide survey that came out that ranked the way that a business treats other people at your business higher than their pay. So that means they ranked that, it number two. Mm -hmm. So this was a study of people in the millennial age group and they asked them what's most important. And the idea that my company treats others fairly, mm -hmm. treats people of different gender, different race, all of that, that my co company treats these people fairly. They considered it the number two most important thing. And I think it was right behind job security because millennials obviously are very concerned about where they're going to work tomorrow. But if, yeah. if that's the number two ranking, my question would be, what are you doing to, to treat your team, your family better? And what are you yeah. doing to communicate the fact that you're doing it? Because recruiting should not be a problem. If you're doing it right, people should be clamoring at the doors to be a part of what it is that you have going on. Mm -hmm. yeah. 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 You know, it's so funny about that. You said communicating it. And, and this is one thing where I know that businesses just miss that miss the boat the train whatever you want to call because there's a lot of businesses and we look at the financial statements and businesses give away a lot i mean they'll give away financial they'll they'll do do days of donating labor they'll do all this kind of stuff and then they never tell anybody about it yeah and 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 i know from talking to the owners that they go why well, don't or, or the managers are well we don't want to brag about it no, you're not bragging about it. And you just brought up a very valid point for these people in businesses that you need to communicate so everyone in your own business knows it. Mm -hmm. Because the people that are working over here don't know that you just you just supported this this homeless shelter by doing this, whatever it was, or you you helped rebuild the 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 sports field at the school or whatever the heck you did, uh, mm -hmm. if you don't tell them about it. 
It's not about making you look good. It's about making them feel good. We had a, a client who went through, I think this was at the end of the last year, and went through uh, a number of situations that all kind of happened at the same time where one of their team members was having trouble getting to work. And what it turned out was that that his tires kept popping and he kept having... Yeah, like fix the flatting yeah. the tires. And so the owner just went and bought him new tires and yeah. said, just do that. It, it's worth it. And then one person was having back problems and the owner just bought him a bed and said, you need this here. How can I help you? Mm -hmm. And so you look at all of those microtransactions. And, and if you look at the total impact that those culture investments have, or even having a stocked fridge, or, or having a, a good party for the families, yeah. uh, or sending flowers or mm -hmm. gifts in, at the right time of the year. I think that investing in company culture is the single best investment that you can make into a business. Yeah. 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 I've got a friend of mine that, that for a number of years, is, is, well, I still does, manage the company in, of North here. And one of the things that they've done for forever is a couple times a month is they he he and his wife cook dinner for everyone mm -hmm. and bring it in on a, on a friday every other friday they're doing this and and uh he said it's just amazing what it does it's just yeah. amazing they enjoy it they they cook all different kinds of stuff so it kind of you know what how are you going to do that every other and kind of keep it fresh and do that and they've done it for a long time now and it, it's a huge difference yeah. Well, one of the things that we uh, suggested to a handful of our clients when COVID struck is that there was a lockdown and they had to lay certain people off or, yep. or take people off work for a short period of time. And they were like, how do we make sure our people are OK? Uh, we can't necessarily afford to give them a bunch of money. And we suggested that they just buy a bunch of kind of staple grocery products like and just Costco, set them up on a pallet at the at the office, at the workplace and tell everybody they can kind of come in in shifts and just come in and just take whatever they need. And that's a way that you can invest this kind of small amount of money, but just help everybody stay afloat. But I think the message that it sends is far more important than any of the, the financial expenditure. Oh, yeah. 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 I mean, yeah. if you put a couple thousand dollars worth of Costco products there that are all the board, A, it's mass. It's a lot of product. But B, it, it does really help people. Yeah. It's, it's not much in the long run to give really for it to for what you get you know back for that mm -hmm. but but something but the best part about about that are the the memories are the recollections mm -hmm. this person did that for me when things got tough this yeah. person stuck their neck out or this person said stopped their their business for the day and took the time to do the right thing those yeah. memories will will get kind of forged into into our experience and that is how you create loyalty that's what makes yeah. us a family yeah, yeah. see you know, on a large scale um, right now too um the airline industry you know we're watching that too because i we're in park city uh, it's uh there's a lot of delta employees pilots flight attendants so they got hit hard uh, really something like this but that company um, at least Delta is billing an amazing amount of goodwill during this um, on what they're doing with their employees and with their customers as well. Um, you know, I think they, um, you know, it's something, it's something to marvel at, but just we'll watch down the road when all of it, when we start to come out of this, you know, uh, we'll see, um, you know, uh, who the survivors are and who, who, you know, I think those things will come back to you, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. yeah.
when in situations like this, reveal your character for sure. Whether or not you you want that character to be revealed, <laughs> it will be known and recorded. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. Whether or not you're on the side of good or or evil, right? Yeah. Uh, what uh, that reminds me of that my favorite quote from Warren Buffett was, uh, "When the the tide goes out, you'll see who's swimming naked." <laughs> Love it. Yeah. Or, or or zooming naked. Yeah. Either way. Yeah. 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 Uh, Look at you, Damon. <laughs> it has been an interesting time. Interesting time, that's for sure, because it's, uh, you know, as, as we said before we got on, you know, for us, we we knew nothing about video uh, in 2019 and, and kind of fell by the wayside or not fell by the way, but fell into it when we were sitting here in February or early March or whatever the heck it was. And and just said we got to help people. I mean, because this is this is all we can do. We can't we can't go out and, you know, put our backs into much. So so what we can do is we can give people knowledge and reassurance that you know there this this is going to be better um maybe a long time and now it's been a lot longer than we all thought but yep. still i think the even in in your industry in the construction industry i am really really impressed with some of the resiliency and some of the you know they have to adapt with a lot of different things and a lot of different procedures to be able to keep people safe and continue working and continue doing the things but they've done it mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, one of the, the first reactions that we had was that we started a, a construction peer group right out of the gate, and uh, we helped a number of companies navigate through PPP and, and securing funds and help ask, answer questions. Just kind of a lot of the kind of emergency mm -hmm. moments that happened in that early. Yeah, and we were helping a lot of folks with messaging. What do we tell our, our people? How can we, yeah. what steps should we take? Because there was very much a reaction where people wanted to just fire everybody mm -hmm. and and some companies did that and then there was a more metered response from a lot of companies where they were more thoughtful and, and deliberate with their actions and they're having a much better situation that they're in now mm -hmm. um, and then part of our pivot was that we moved 60 percent of our training to virtual so yep. up until that point, we had never trained remotely, but we moved 60% of our training to remote and that went really well and then started coming up with new offerings that people uh, really made use of, like reading blueprints and uh, Microsoft project scheduling. scheduling. Uh, but a recent development is that while we've always kind of worked with culture and helping people manage and, and develop company culture is implicit bias training. Mm -hmm. So that's something that when we get our, our teams and our family to understand that you by nature, when you're born, you're born with bias. And that's, yeah. that's baked in, that is a human mm -hmm. superpower to be biased. So getting construction companies to be friendly and understand that bias has been, been a really uh, soul healing effort for us it's right now work. as well. It's been good work to do. Yeah, yeah, and it is. We had someone. Uh, we talked with Ron Higgs a while ago about bias, and it it is, it is a, that is such an interesting and and relevant topic uh, today. That's for sure. Yeah. So, yeah. what are some of the, the biggest challenges that you you see when you're working with these businesses that that are kind of across the board? You go, okay, this is one that we we pretty much see is there. Well, and I I would be willing to bet that that our answers would be pretty similar to that because once you do enough of, of development sort of work 
you see the patterns pretty clearly, but but the obvious gimme is the the person at the top. <laughs> I was just going to go there too. <laughs> is is oftentimes either holding on to too much, or mm -hmm. is they they themselves are resistant to change, uh, and I think that that you have to get the commitment from from the person who has the authority to make changes mm -hmm. yes. that they will actually commit to make these changes for the betterment of themselves and for the betterment of their family they often won't let go or they do let go and then don't really have a solid understanding of how to delegate so that things actually get done the way that they need them to mm -hmm. uh, and that's that is a huge problem Every, every time you find somebody who's really struggling to move beyond that, uh, that ceiling, that's often in play. Yes. Yeah, that, that, you know, that, that, that resonates with us. I mean, that's, that's exactly right because, they, you know, they, uh, our clients come to us and go, hey, I want to sell my company. Mm -hmm. uh, it's time for me to, to get out. And um, if, if they're that, uh, it, and that it, the, the, the nature of the beast uh, of the business owner is they're controlling typically. I mean, they, they built this company brick by brick and employee by employee, sale by sale, you know, they're involved. And, you know, um, if you're going to sell the company though, um, who's going to want to buy it if you're doing all the work and you're going to be gone tomorrow. Mm -hmm. So, so how, how do we do that? We got to, we got to come up with a solution. It's interesting because it doesn't, you know, they know the change is there. It's going to happen. 100% of people who get into business get out of business. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter how. <laughs> right. And they know that, that, you know, they can't work forever. Um, yep. You know, they, they have to get an exit like that. And if you if you don't have an organization that if you don't let go and mm -hmm. let your, people, you know, let, let it systemize it and process it, a buyer's not going to be interested. But but many times people get into business because they were good at the thing, but they're but they're not good at building process. And so yeah. that's where a lot of our work exists is helping people create that process. So we have an interesting relationship with attorneys because many times we're we're helping our clients prevent litigation. We are yeah. a preventative step to prevent litigation, and we work with attorneys and know lots of construction attorneys. Uh, and, and go to them for advice in specific situations. But we are that preventative step or the preparatory step that either you're going to be very well prepared for litigation because we've helped you consolidate the case and everything is detailed, or we don't need the attorney at all uh, so that we don't have to go down that road. The best lawsuit is the one that doesn't happen. Yeah. Uh, and in the same way with the work that you do in terms of, of helping people get out of their business, it takes years sometimes to create processes and systems. And much of the work that we do is trying to prepare them to be able to be able to talk to you. Yeah. Right? Because there's a lot of groundwork that has to be set in order for that to even be a possibility. Yeah. And, and I think that uh, our, our work dovetails pretty nicely together. Yeah. yeah. You know, we, we have a, a, a solution with putting in a trade. Well, we can call them a transition team or an exit your way solution. So uh, basically they can rent, you know, a management team, um, you know, for the course of that transaction and prove that the business can can do that. Uh, it, it is a little bit easier because, you know, um, it, you know, they don't just have to come to this conclusion, but it's it's very interesting in our experience. And we actually because they know they've got to change, right? They know they can't be working there after they sell the business. 
Um, you know, what's cool about it is uh, if what, so then they start going, okay, I'm in, let's, let's get going on this now. But a, a lot of them are, oh man, we should have done this. <laughs> it's really, yeah. that's really what the, the, the cool part is because once you build that system and let it run, uh, that light bulb goes off and it's, it's spectacular, right? And then you're really, you're, you're really, um, now you're selling a great organization, not just a good, good yeah. organization. <laughs> yeah. That's the key. Yeah, because as you said, the, the work that you're doing dovetails with the kind of work that we do because we we have to get the ownership um, uh, at least to a board kind of level in the business. They can't be in a direct line type position. Otherwise, it just it just is much, much harder to sell and it's worth much less, quite, quite honestly. Um, but those processes, as Andrew said, you know, when people get to uh, realize how well simple weekly KPIs that help to make sure that they're on track from both the cost and, and in your case, the project status and ultimately a financial um, basis at the end of the month, when they start to understand that cadence and how that works of, okay, every Monday morning, we're going through, well, in construction or manufacturing, it used to always be safety first. And then you start talking down the list after that. But, but when you know those numbers are in line, that owner gets to go, oh, okay, we're going to be all right. We can we can go and see how it turns out next week. Or, or these are the things that we're, we're, I know my team is working on and we're going into the next week with this rather than getting that financial statement and go, oh, damn, we just wasted a month. Mm -hmm. And now we're, we're three weeks into the next month before I got time to look at the financials and realize I lost money last month. So, yeah. so we have, we have a one of the things that's really cool is going back to it's culture, culture on the people. It, it is, it is the organization. And when we're, when you're a buyer and you're coming in, um, if a deal fails, it's not because they overpaid. It's not because they didn't finance it right. It's not because sales dropped. It's because the, the culture didn't match or it didn't work, you know, and it, it, something changed in there. So that it's, it's hugely important. Um, and, you know, I, like for an example, you know, I got a buyer coming into the company and we're doing, we're doing a, we got a buyer and we're doing an introduction meeting, first time kickoff. And, you know, it, it doesn't make, you know, I, I, intuitively it, it, it makes sense, but our buyer is better off to be on his vacation in Hawaii and have his, his VP in there, his general manager, his transition team. And we're talking to the, the owners and like that. And they, they're like, this is a company I want to own where I can be in Hawaii. <laughs> And they're telling the company if they can be someplace else while the company, the people are the buyers are there and we're there with them. It's 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 way better for that seller because the the buyers get to look at the the company unaltered. Yeah. And it's well, really nice. They're not gonna. They're not looking. They're paying for. You know, yeah. Obviously, the company's got revenue. It's it, it, it's got a, a history of doing that. They're looking at the building. They're looking at the equipment. But they're also looking at these are the people that make it happen. And that's where you get a premium for your business if you have those right people in place. And you were talking about the the uh, process that you put into place, the cadence that you establish. And with construction specifically, one of the places where this happens uh, and, and one of the biggest focal points is how do we deliver our projects? Because our project delivery method, this is like your factory in manufacturing. So how, how what, are you doing a good job in delivering your product and creating your product or is it a hot mess and it looks different every time? Mm -hmm. And so we have an offering or an answer to that, that 
I've never heard of anyone providing in this way. Uh, and it's called project coaching. And what that looks like is we start and we finish a construction project together with the company with the yeah. focus of teaching how to run a successful construction project. And so we do the startup together. We go through the contract together. We create a strategy for the project. We identify roles and responsibilities. And we go through the life of that project and play the game of construction project. Well, and all the while we find missing processes where we say, oh, this isn't a thing you guys are tracking. You guys aren't paying attention to this number. Let's go ahead and put together something really quick and dirty that's going to do that for us. Mm -hmm. So that by the end, we've kind of built all the tools. We've trained the team on how to use all the tools. So then what they wind up with is a very profitable project. But the part for me, why I do it is... Uh, I, I, we started a, a project coaching piece of work and the team is a hot mess. They're stressed. Their, their home lives are, are not going well. And yeah. I start the process of project coaching and I sit down with the PM, maybe 60% in. And I said, so how's it going? What do you, what do you think? What are your takeaways? And he says, you know, there are a lot of levers to flip and there are a lot of steps to go through, but it's fine. I mean, there's, it is it is a non-event and it doesn't have to be yeah. this this drama laden experience that that makes your hair go gray it's mm -hmm. just that there is no process in place for it so we help to create those processes and coach them through how to use this new machine mm -hmm. yeah yeah it's a great way to do that. tools to use their management tools but they're just you know and they're tools like any other and i think you know would I see that in businesses too? Um, you know, good operators, good business managers, good owners, go, go listen to their employees and and provide them, spend the money, and give them the tools that they they need. Because there's nothing more frustrating than not being able to do what they know they they want to do it. You know, generally, yeah, yeah. right? But, well, they, they want to do it, but many times, business owners and managers aren't necessarily teachers. Yes. Right? They're not necessarily good instructors. And so when we can go out on the job site and inspect how the daily reports are coming and inspect the cleanliness of the site and, and keep those people to account through the life of that project, that, that consistent ongoing education is, is like an education you can't get anywhere else. Well, and I think another part of it is that the people who are best at doing construction are not necessarily the people who are interested in keeping track of numbers or yeah. details. Yeah. They're, they they're wanna, not always the best students. They want to get out there and they want to build and they don't necessarily understand how much they need to keep track of these different metrics. So often we go in and a company Either a project is a big success or it's a big failure and they have no idea why because they just kind of throw their teams out there and the teams just start building and everybody gets to the end of the project and then we find out how it went. So I think a lot of the time they need somebody who understands what they need to be keeping track of to show them and then to help everybody understand why it makes a difference that we keep track of these things and see how it lets them stop problems before they happen. Yeah, that, and that's... Um that that's an art, you know, that's a real art to be able to identify it. It has to be simple and visual and, you know, and things that are understandable, right. And relevant. And there's so much data and so much crap out there too. That that's a huge frustration point too. So, but there are, but there are usually clues when, <laughs> when things are running off, if we're paying attention to, to certain measurements, yeah, we'll yeah. know that there's a problem well before it becomes a real problem. Yeah, yeah I, I think the, the best business owners, you know, or managers, managers, you know, go and ask, 
you know, you know, it's not up to me to, you know, the, the, the person on the line knows, you know, what, what, you know, what the issues are. So that is just a matter of, you know, listen, find out the answers and then get it, get a feedback loop for them so they can do their job. Well, we have this big process map that is a construction project beginning to end. It's the life of a construction project. That's every single thing that needs to happen. And what we tell project teams is if you go through here and if you were to drop a pin on this map every single time something gets missed, something goes wrong, then what you will see is you'll see a couple areas that have one pin here, one pin there. And then there'll be an area or two that has just pin, pin, or like pin, 50 pin. pins. Okay. And that's where you know what you need to work on. So in that yeah. process map, that is the indicator. And, and what it does is it normalizes or it makes it okay for there to be a mistake. It, it normalizes that when we drop a ball, it's not a problem that we drop the ball. It's a problem if we don't figure out why it dropped. Mm -hmm. So by by measuring and and tracking where our mistakes are happening, we now have the ability to prevent those things from happening again in the future. We get smarter as an organization. Wow. Mm -hmm. That's, cool. That's really cool. And you know, going back a little ways, Mary, you said something that that is I just live by. And then and if these measures are not simple and quick and dirty to figure out, that's the one thing that I see that in businesses, people will come up with a measure and you go, yeah, but how the hell are you ever going to calculate that? Yep. How the hell, you got to build a whole new system or a whole new computer system just to measure this one thing. Figure out something that gets you a close indicator and you're good. If you can do that mm -hmm. in five minutes, that'll get you there. Now, people, mm -hmm. will, people will procrastinate for years yes. because their project management software doesn't talk to their accounting software in the perfect way. Mm -hmm. And I'll say, I don't give a damn yeah. if that doesn't happen. You can do it manually and it's a pain. Let's just open up Excel. Yep. Let's just track these three things. That's it. Just these three things, but I want to see them every single week. And yeah. then what's going to happen is over time, you're going to say, it's really cool that we're tracking this, but I wish I knew more about this right here. And then you say, what do you want to know about it? Let's add another thing. And that, and that gives you a 90% accuracy as opposed yeah. to a 0% accuracy. Yeah. That, that is exactly right. And it's so key because you you did you mentioned two things a never wait for the perfect solution it's not coming along and b if you can get 75 percent 50 percent of the way you're you're way better than zero yeah, yeah. So, so cool yeah better better is good well, and often i think when you're looking at like metrics and data the best way to get to the perfect data is with the imperfect data, because then you'll start to see what's missing or you'll say, you know, we track this thing and we've never used that in any way. And then the question is, should we be using it or should we stop tracking it? And so you mm -hmm. learn about the data you need by tracking, by just taking a guess mm -hmm. and starting to track something, anything. Yeah. You know, when we're working with clients, we can be a year in and still modifying dashboards. Still redesigning the way that they're going to different numbers. Still recalculating things in different ways because we're we're learning more about the details behind the business and what really matters, like you said. And and that refinement, I believe, is where you go. Okay, most people don't take it to step one, but when you take it to step two and three, that's where you're leaving people in the dust with understanding of your business and where you can really go to the next level, which is so cool of what you guys are teaching people. Yeah. Wow. yeah. Awesome stuff. Awesome stuff. Well, you know, so you guys, I, I, 
I, I I could talk a long time on this, and we're getting we're getting close because it is it is so cool because as, as we talked about construction and manufacturing, where where Andrew and I grew up in a lot of our our previous life working for companies, it, it's very similar. And you guys are helping people in, in a way that I think is very very valuable. Going from the I'm a I'm a craftsman to I'm a, I'm a business owner kind of perspective, and then too you said about helping people with with generational transitions because those are just those are killer because it goes like what is it andrew you know the first second third generation but um the number like three percent gets to the third the third generation ever it and used to be it used to be 15 percent would transition to within you know that and now it's less it is i think less than five yeah it, yeah. A lot of the places where we, we have conversations, we get access that a lot of other people don't get, right? And and the conversations that we have oftentimes look more like therapy. I had We uh, often have people tell us that. I feel like I've just been in therapy. We, we had a son tell us, we, we basically caused this conversation to happen between uh, the father and the son in, in a transitional business. And the, the reaction from both of them was, I wish we would have had this conversation 10 years ago mm-hmm. because- it it fixed and and made better so many specific issues that we've been having that I've been carrying around with me. And yeah. just by coaching people through those conversations, you do a lot of good spirit work, a lot of good soul work in, in that process. And it really makes you want to get up in the morning. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, you know, like um, when you're when you're getting you're getting to the time where you have to transition and get out of your business and sell it, um, that it's a tragedy. Um, it, you can't sell the business um, if, it, if it, it can't transition from, you know, one generation to the other, because, you know, the tragedy is a, well, sure you built something and it's a lot of lost work, but people lose their jobs. Yes. Um, you know, you, your organization, it was an organization that was innovating and creating all the new, um, all, all the new developments, all the new technologies come from these small companies, family owned and, you know, uh, and stuff like that. The, the big companies don't do this stuff. Uh, no, so they, they just buy them out, out right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Cool. So this we, is, we say that all around us every day here in Seattle. That's for sure. Yeah, but it is right. Well, it's great to have you guys on. Uh, uh, it's so nice to have Jason and Mary Sturgeon from Arcade Wayfinding here. So, how can people get a hold of you guys if they want to uh, want to reach out for more information or just talk to you? Well, so we have a website at www.arcadewayfinding.com. Also, if you want to hear more from us, we have a podcast that is at www.thecriticalpathpodcast.com. You can also find it on that website. Um, We're on all the podcast networks. Mm -hmm. Uh, You can find us on YouTube at Arcade Wayfinding. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so you can also find us in West Seattle Island if you want to come by (laughs) for a coffee. We have a full espresso bar. Uh, where we would be happy to host you and meet with you in in socially distanced settings. And we're not on LinkedIn a lot too. So we're Jason Sturgeon, Mary Sturgeon, Arcade Wayfinding on LinkedIn. We're everywhere. All right. Well, great having you guys on today. Thank you so much for stopping by our round table and sharing with us. You guys are helping companies in in so many awesome ways. It just just makes me feel good to, to connect and be able to learn more about it. So just thanks a lot. We appreciate it. It was really good to meet you guys. All right. Thank you.